Welcome to Tech Morons, a monumental episode. I'm Chaney. And I'm Sid, and uh, we're back here for our, for our season finale of Mando, a recap of that recent episode, and uh, what a season finale it was. It truly was. Holy crap. <laughs> Glorious. Glorious Star Wars, uh, action-packed Star Wars for like 45 minutes. Yeah, that was um, that was something. That was a great finale. I have to like that was my favorite episode of Mandalorian. Maybe yeah, ever. it almost felt like it almost felt like the Ahsoka episode that came earlier this season was like a trailer for this episode in a way. What do you mean by like, that? Like not to not to diminish that episode. I in a way like not a trailer, I guess, but like a tease for this episode. Like we almost thought like I guess we were speculating still that we would see more Jedi in this season, but like almost thought that like. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go higher than that Ahsoka episode. But like, they, I think they managed to pull it off in this in this finale. Yeah. In terms man. of in, in terms of like, I don't even know. Like, just like, really like pulling on off that fan service, but at the same time making it like not too not too cheesy, like fun at the same time. You know, it's deserved fan service. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not copping out to try to get a cheap emotion um, from the audience. It's a earned experience. It was set up. It was... Um, it, it makes sense in the context. A lot of fan service is just there as a means to, you know, make sure the audience claps when they see the thing. Yeah. I clapped. I clapped when the X-Wing shot the thing on the Death Star. I mean, Starkiller Base. I clapped. Yeah. Oh, this Death Star number Death Star three. Yeah, yeah. It's what a great plan that turned out to be. Um, yeah. This time around, it's earned because guess what? They spent an entire season building up to this point. So of yeah, course almost, it's earned, and of course it's more than just fan service at this point. Yeah, almost like two two seasons running into this um, climactic, you know, handoff to the next Jedi. You know, like handing off oh. the kid. <laughs> Before we uh, and spo- s- full spoilers, we're not even gonna bother. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, if if you don't know our if you don't know our like mantra for this show, it's basically full spoilers, and we don't even have to initiate that. But for every single Star Wars piece of media as well. Yeah, at least for Star Wars, like minimum Star Wars is like we can't hold back on that. Um, but before we dive into Star Wars real quick, we did suffer from some um, unfortunate tef- technical difficulties in a our previous episode we tried to upload. Um, where we, you know, we talked about a bit of cyberpunk. We talked a bit about the new uh, Star Wars shows. And I thought that was, let's just like quickly, you know, I want to talk about cyberpunk with you for a bit since it's been a couple weeks since it's launched. True, um, true. Yeah, just like real quick before we get into the Star Wars stuff. But how have you been liking it now that it's been a couple weeks? I know, you know, you were going through a couple of the bugs and glitches. And since you updated your driver, how's that been for you? Oh, it's fine now. Um, as far as graphical bugs go, it's fine. As long as I'm running at um, relatively uh, convenient settings for my PC specs. Um, in terms of like gameplay bugs, yeah, there's still a couple out there that I really, really don't like. Um, and I've had to load load saves before. Um, I've actually finished the game by now since our last nice. talk about it that never aired. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got the worst ending. I was extremely depressed for a full day afterwards so um yeah let's just say you made some bad choices i made some bad choices in your life path uh, apparently so um it's uh it's funny though like if if 
if a game can make me feel that way, then I know it's written well. So, um, right, and emo- a strong emotional reaction does mean something, right? Like, mm-hmm. does it does it make you want to go back and like play out different life? different life paths or different choices to see like you know what other endings there are yeah i was, I, I was aware I was there was more endings so. but i didn't know i didn't know there'd be a, a bad ending it's something that would be like fuck you know yeah there's a couple bad endings it seems i don't i don't know how many endings there are but i can see just by like the ending mission itself like mm-hmm. the last two missions there's so many choices you can make that can dictate what your ending is so oh that's cool um, i i love that it's, I can't wait uh, to get to that. I'm still, I'm still like deep into Act Two right now, like going through, uh, through side gigs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. getting lost in the world of Night City. I'm just taking a couple, couple days break from it, because um, it was intense. The ending, at least. Um, yeah. So, when I do get back into it, though, I'm gonna do it like a complete opposite playthrough. Like this time, I went, I was like a hacker, um, handgun and 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 katana wielding motherfucker but next time around i'm thinking i'm gonna go like heavy guns and like a baller yeah, soup up soup up your guy to like have gorilla arms and like yeah uh, just full-on body strength well, yeah girl this time around i want to check out the girl voice actor i think oh, she i thought you did a girl be this, in your in your first playthrough no no no. i did me like my first playthrough with rpgs is always what i am well what you are first person gotcha. yeah and then yeah. my second playthrough through rpgs is complete opposite fantasy. play style fantasy and idea. um like opposite ideals and opposite choices mm-hmm. just to gotcha. see what happens yeah just have fun i i've caught myself in the middle of it sometimes where i'm like i'm i want to choose certain dialogue paths that i'm like you know not certainly something i would do but like where would this go but then there are times i'll like reload the save because i'm like i feel morally wrong about the choices i made in the game as v i'm like i don't want my v to be be this kind of guy and lose these connections like nah i'm a i'm a well-networked individual in night city but um yeah no it's been i find myself like slowly grinding through it right now like nothing seems to be in in the way of me playing the game though in terms of gameplay like you know even when we initially talked like i found the the most disrupting thing currently is like the ai of enemies of like cars and pedestrians something like that but like i feel like that can get fixed online you know um i don't know like if i find it hard as fuck to kill enemies when you're in a combat situation is that like is that something you gotta go like upgrade your your guns through mods a whole like a whole bunch like uh i never modded my stuff much i would like upgrade it to the to the fullest extent in which i could but that was yeah that's something i didn't even know was really a thing that crafting and uh looting is like a really huge aspect in the game to like gain components upgrade your weapons because for me it feels like the enemies are just like absorbing all my shots and i'm just wasting ammo on them mm-hmm. so i gotta do something to figure that out you gotta get the right perks in combination with your playstyle and weapon. oh choices. that's just another that's another black hole in itself is like those skill trees mm-hmm. that's um yeah. i i by the end of the game i had like a full loadout of legendary weapons so i was having fun like nice. unique weapons weapons that you couldn't find anywhere else yeah, I do so. have to say the katanas are mind-blowingly fun in this oh, game. Oh man, then you're gonna. Oh, if I think if you do the right choices, then you're gonna end up getting a a unique katana once you're done one story mission. I've already I've already been gifted a couple couple cool ones. I'm, I'm aiming to ramp up my collection of the katanas. But there's yeah, there's that just there's one that stands out. Trust me. 
It, it's there's one that I know looks like a lightsaber. I'm just eyeing that. Okay, it's like a thermal blade or something. Yeah, whatever. Casual, casual crossover. Speaking of crossover, this is a casual Death Stranding and Cyberpunk crossover that that I happened over the weekend. That. Yeah, I, I don't I, think anybody expected that happening. See, I don't even understand that still. I just feel like in the video game world, there's like that everybody's like a friend to each other. Like you know, with Hideo Kojima at least, like everybody's friends with Hideo Kojima. Like there's always a uh, this guy popping up in the game, but it, it wasn't even um as small as just a cameo from Kojima himself. It was a crossover on the scale of like a game changing, quite literally game changing crossover where uh, Death Stranding updated their PC game to like include cyberpunk hacking mechanisms that were never in the original game or story or like any of the original game mechanics so it essentially added a whole new level of game mechanics into an you know already one-year-old game uh so that was cool like off off hearing about that but i'm sad i can't play that because i don't have the pc version like well why don't just do all apparently you can find kojima in cyberpunk that too yeah that just 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 Kojima chilling in probably his like usual Tuesday outfit, and then and I can see you City. crawling up to him in Night City, going, "Notice me, senpai." Yeah, I'm just <laughs> bowing to him constantly. Yeah, yeah. I sent you, uh, I sent you the picture of the Evolution Era Batista. I thought that was pretty funny. Of what? Uh, the Evolution Era Batista in oh, Night yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's was. a security guard that's just like, I feel like they they had to have a a catalog of people to model off of. Not saying they modeled Batista specifically, but I feel like they randomized it, and then like because you know because of the sheer randomness of everybody, then yeah, one guy's. But have you Batista. have you gone and like talked to any of the random pedestrians on the street? Like each person has a characterization. They each have a name when you scan them, a, like a voice actor that has you know like an accent. They're they're characterized completely. Every single pedestrian. I mean. To an extent, yeah. I, I don't think that it's that hard in, in modern gaming to have randomizers. It's just time-consuming. I guess, yeah, it's not hard if you have, like, AI, smart AI to just do that, I guess. But I feel like it's, like, the amount of people they must... Whatever, like, uh, not to get too into it, but... Anyways, um, yeah, on the video game front, I guess that's that's all I wanted to talk about. But you want to get into Star Wars now, or anything else you want to talk about Cyberpunk? No, Cyberpunk's pretty much... Uh, I'll have more to talk about my second playthrough because I think I'll have a more complete understanding of what the game is. Because I, yeah. I know one concern I had was the illusion of choice, and I want to see how far that extends. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess stay tuned for uh, like 2021 season, uh, or like, I mean, whatever our next episode that in the new year is. Uh, hopefully, I'm just going to keep grinding this game out through the holidays and play oh, as yeah. many you know, my second playthrough play is gonna, possible. gonna start as soon as i get home yeah so we'll probably recap our ending thoughts and and whatever and in, in a final episode for that but uh you know back to our back to our finale star wars finale god damn this episode um, made me feel like a kid again this, I think this I te- episode made me feel like a kid on a saturday yeah until i finished it and then i texted you and i was like um kylo ren kills grogu confirmed <laughs> you had to go to the most cynical place possible at me, dude. I can't. Why? I, why are you so to, cynical, man? To, why can't to, you enjoy it for like half an hour? To be but fair, I have to say, yeah, yeah. I thought of it weeks in advance, and I said, if they choose to put Luke right. in the show, and Luke 
is the one who takes Grogu, then that basically means Kylo Ren kills him. Yeah, I mean, I I mapped this out in my head too well in advance. Like I, oh man, like we were we're kind of on the same track with this. Like I initially or immediately thought the same thing when we when we see Luke come in. I'm like, okay, they're setting up. They're setting up Grogu to be Luke's like basically his first Padawan as a as a master, because at this point he's not he's not teaching Ben Solo, you know. We, there's a lot of gaps to fill in if if he has a temple yet or not, but I'm assuming this might be his first student. This is his this is him becoming a master for the first time, taking Grogu and like whatever. And I thought the same thing. Like, oh man, this is where are they going with this? This only has this is only going to one place that we know. Yeah. And and then you text me that I'm like fuck man you just you made it real. How else? And now, ugh, I hate to be universe breaking because the episode I really enjoyed. But how else can they explain Grogu's absence throughout the sequels? Right. That's that's right. That, right. Well, I I I definitely feel like that story is not over for that reason. Like, here's here's my thinking behind it. Right now, he hasn't even started his temple. He hasn't acquired any students yet. So who knows by the time, you know, Kylo Ren is like however old he was when he turns to the dark side and leaves. Maybe Grogu's like, I don't know. His species does age very slow too at the same time. So I wouldn't say he's like, you know, a Jedi master or anything by that point. Um, No, he would still be like a baby. He wouldn't like be able to escape the Jedi temple or anything. Mm. I don't know. Luke looked really old in the flashback. Of when the Jedi Temple burned down. Yeah. So who knows how old Grogu is at that point. Like, it's got to be close to true. the 30-some-odd year gap, so... That's true. I uh, guess... I, yeah, knows, uh, I, I don't know, but we do know one thing for sure is he... he there's, like, a 50% chance he could have died in that in that temple fire. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's a 100% depressing. chance now because, like... Like again, I don't want to give it a hundred percent chance because the, then they, they would have been writing themselves in a box. I want to think that this finale is, you know, it's an obvious like expansion towards the new shows that they're they're doing and like the future kind of storytelling that they're going for. And um, I feel like this at the ending with Grogu is like kind of attached to that in some way. I think their his story and Luke's story has to be explored further and it would just be depressing if they ended up just killing him off but not really even like killing him off in our minds you know like letting letting us our own okay, but dark to be thoughts fair, paint the picture majority of the audience isn't even thinking about that at that point i know but when youtube gets a hold of this idea you know and like all the all the the millions of the fandoms are like talking about it then it becomes real and if yeah. it's not an official star wars thing then it becomes it can become bad, you know, like people are like, how could you do that? Like kill him off in, in your mind, essentially just like, well, you know where this is going. But I, that's where I think this is kind of this, like even, even, you know, Mando says at the end of the episode, I'm going to see you soon, kid. So maybe he doesn't even continue training with Luke. Like who knows? I, I want to stay positive because to me, that's just depressing to think about. Hmm. <laughs> to yeah. 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 I, I think they're actually going to move on from Gogo. Which I think is fair yeah, enough, because yeah. I don't I don't know what else you'd do with him in terms of Mando's involvement with him. No, other I think than that maybe story, like a cameo yeah. down the road, but I think the chapter with them, their kind of ragtag adventures over. Yeah, at least for the next season, we're not going to see that. And that's it'll be some something new. 
and I'm happy about that because I didn't want the baby Yoda thing to be dragged out. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it has its benefits, obviously, but like um, the shows about the Mandalorian, and there's still plenty more story involved with the character himself because, despite him being the main character, there's actually been surprisingly, or not even surprisingly, there's been little development surrounding his character, and it just seems like his character is starting to come out of his shell. Yeah, that's with that's, the season. I feel the same way. It's he was almost like. Uh, a very like just action figure type of character where you know you, what you see is what you get and I like how his arc throughout the last two seasons has been hit like as a character finding his individuality amongst like the the clan of a man of, of Mandalorians you know and and like in this episode he realizes like he is he is not his clan like his ideals are separate from his clan's ideals and he reveals himself to Grogu in 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 this episode on a choice level so like I I like how he's stepping into the sense of now being just a person like now now there's room for like characterization without the mask you know like there's that's probably gonna be down the road where what we're gonna see probably him without a a mask on or like I don't know but um but yeah like that Working a little backwards, just, you know, talking about it, like, this episode addressed so many of my, like, criticisms about this season, too, like, the where this show is going, how it's going to be more focused on kind of a singular story now, almost, like, this episode gave us the feel that we're going back to Mandalore, you know, mm-hmm. that that got me hyped, that got, it, it, it made me, like, think, like, okay, now this is, something that Filoni set up from the Clone Wars era that we're going to see resolved in live action, which was like the Siege of Mandalore. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because we've heard many different things about Mandalore at this point. We're actually not sure what's true. We've heard right, from yeah. Bo-Katan saying, you know, it's it's fine now. Mm-hmm. And then even Boba Fett in this episode is like, it's a fucking wasteland. The Empire glassed it. And yep. like... um uh, who knows what's true, but I guess we're going to find out. And, you know, fair enough to them because I do think this is the right direction for the show is is to not only put the focus more on Mando because, granted, it took them two seasons with the help of Grogu sort of being a catalyst to bring out his character. Now that mm-hmm. his character is sort of out there, there's room to explore it in combination with his heritage as Mandalorian with Mandalore. So, right. Yeah. If anything, I'm more excited for season three than I am season two, which is a good thing, despite there being like a lack of a teaser for season three. Other than mm-hmm. that, I don't know. We did get a teaser, but not for not for this show. No, 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 no. Yeah, more on that later, though. More on that <laughs> well, later. That, that was a pretty that was a pretty decent size. That was a teaser. That was a teaser and a half. Um, yeah, on the Mando front, I think like you're right. This is it's going the right direction that it's going to like put him in direct contrast with like uh his home like his home you know like one being on mandalore is going to be like a crazy setting to see like realized but how like that implies into um just the the overall who who is dinjarin the mandalorian you know like uh i we're like i i kind of have the feeling like when season three is going to be like a little bit of like a star wars meets game of thrones thing like power over mandalore like we got a clue that the dark saber is you know it's more than just a weapon but like the story behind it is what holds the power you know and i feel like 
we obviously also have to see that get resolved now too. Who holds uh, the dark saber? Controls you know Mandalorian. Right now, Mando holds the dark saber. So that that's going to be interesting to see how that gets resolved. And yeah, all everything where this episode kind of leads to is just interesting. You know, it's 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 kind of clickbaity. Let's like you know every show that was just announced the other week gets um gets fed into this episode so it was perfect timing on disney's part but at the same time it worked like it it felt natural kind of to go in this direction 100 percent. and i don't know if i'd go to the extent of like game of thrones style for Mandalorian in season three i do think they're still gonna keep some type of anthology feel to it it's still that, gonna be how would they st- do that do you, yeah do you think they're gonna like because if the story direction's heading to mandalore do you think it'll still be a galaxy trotting mando adventure you know like the in in an anthological sense like or do you think it'll be more focused like i guess you're saying it'll be still anthological but how do they maintain that Hmm, it's tougher it's tougher now i because i don't even know where they start with season three because one mando Mm -hmm. doesn't have a ship he doesn't have his buddy anymore like who's his crew gonna be is he gonna be alone again is he gonna have a new ship um it'd be Mm -hmm. cool if they introduced him with like some cool new ship I think he has to get a new ship. That's part of his identity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's as a bounty hunter, he needs a ship. It might but, be a reset. So in season three, you might get like a, a sort of reset to not his character at the start of season one, but what his character was at the start of season one. You know, So you think he'll go back to being a bounty hunter, like well, he's no kind of in the, in the, the middle the, of the galaxy type of thing? He's no longer wanted by the Empire because he no longer has Grogu. Right. Um, the only real quarrel the same- he has is... Bo-Katan, which doesn't have to be addressed right away. In fact, there should be like a slow burn throughout season three and four even for the yeah. conclusion to that, I'd say. Um, it's interesting. So I think you might get a reset, which is fair enough because it feels like the first arc of the show was actually two seasons, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The Grogu arc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And now we're going to get the Mandalore arc, which I hope is two seasons. Yeah, I think it's not it's not gonna be a one season situation with uh with Bo Katan and but at the same time I don't think necessarily he'll like reset to being a loner and pause off the current conflict with Mandalore and Bo Katan because that seems kind of immediate. Like I couldn't see Bo Katan being like, Yeah, go take hiatus and, you know, go secure some some criminals in the galaxy while you're holding the Darksaber that I want. Um I think that it might resolve like right away almost like from where we leave off like that they're in the middle of debating what to do with the dark saber with mandalore in that situation and at the same time i think also he's found allies with boba fett with the the group of mandalorians that he's with right now with the new republic even so i'm interested to see maybe he's how like i think there will for sure be a contrast to that first season where we see he's a bounty hunter um just operating on the edge of the galaxy to where he is in season three i think he might be maybe perhaps more law-abiding on the side of the the new republic or maybe he's he's rolling with boba fett in the hut territories like who knows i i i'm siding with the thought that he's kind of he's allied with people now that's kind of where his arc left us off in the season you know he was less of a loner he became a parent and in the process made a lot of friends that that's the mandalorian in a in a in a nutshell right but i, th- uh, I think he'll have his i think he'll keep his friends but in terms of like 
actual operations and structure of the episode, I think at the beginning you're going to get more loner Mando. Just when he's out doing his, like, his bounty hunter stuff. Because, like, the Bo-Katan stuff can't be resolved right away. Because that's the climax to an entire planet's worth of information. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just mean that it'll start off from, like, that conflict will spark the next season. Yeah, yeah, for think. sure, for sure. That's the, yeah. I just don't know yeah. where they even start because they can't start with Bowen and Mando rivalry right away. Like you need, yeah. you need to build up. You need to have some sort of time between then and like the dark saber conflict. So um, who knows how they're going to explain the ending of season two and the start of season three. To be yeah. Honest. Well, in, in a, in a way though, it is getting us to think really deeply about where the story is going. It didn't fall flat in that, in the sense of like, here's a closed story you know like the story feels way more of an open book than um you know than i was expecting it to i guess yeah yeah. absolutely i I agree 100 it's like i really thought there's gonna be like some sort of conclusive ending to season Mm -hmm. two it had the conclusiveness of grogu departing and you know all the all the emotional (laughs) sadness that came with seeing seeing that goodbye but at the same time, it was like, here's what we have in store for you. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, fucking kudos. Because not too yep. many shows can, like, do both. Yeah. It's, it's either, it there's, seems there's... like shows either end on a cliffhanger now or they end on a climax. And this one kind of did a little bit of both. Yeah, let's talk about um our boy Moff Gideon in this episode. Uh also, like he came off pretty threatening, you know, when he was holding that dark saber up to Grogu. Like, one, I think, okay, at times they kind of pack Mando with like too much plot armor in the name of Beskar, his little armor. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. like he is completely indestructible, but he also makes like really dumb decisions going up against Moff Gideon, and like at times maybe like why would you like trust him? You know, after everything you've gone through he's he's one-to-one in a room with Grogu Gideon and Gideon holding a lightsaber to Grogu and he's like yeah let me just casually walk up and trust that I can take the kid away you know and like I could see it from a mile coming away he's gonna get stabbed in the back and the only thing that saves him is obviously his best car but I guess like I don't know in in a way he his that might be the only thing that disappointing this episode is he he's not really as significant as I thought he would be. Yeah. He's been kind of a sillier, like, comic book villain, but played by a great actor that brings, like, the weight of, an you know, an empirical, an empire villain, you know, on the level of a Tarkin. But his character hasn't really summed up to much. How do you feel about that? I agree. He was, like, sort of criminally underused. Like, and the fact that he had such an impact on me this episode just made me wish there was, like, some sort of um, expansion throughout the rest of the season because it, yeah. it felt like this was a conclusion this episode was a conclusion to a full television arc like a full television season which it was but the main villain at the end in which it was concluded with was hardly used throughout the entire season at all you know what i mean yeah it, it feels like it, even more unclear who the antagonist really is yeah because so, he like, gets defeated even so easily in this like he 
in a way they still maintain that he's like a really threatening figure and like that threat level didn't go down but it never felt like it was rising at the same time i can guarantee it felt stagnant i guess yeah i, I don't know guarantee he's gonna get since he was kept alive for mm-hmm. like interrogation or information for the new republic he's gonna get broken out by some sort of elite stormtrooper squad next season and well we're gonna get to see some new stormtroopers now well we need some new toys it makes sense okay i'll actually give uh credit to the mandalorian i thought the dark troopers were fucking stupid in the last time they showed up this episode they did some funky special shit with the dark troopers and they're actually cool i agree yeah um how do you feel it about- makes me think yeah no sorry yeah, go on how do you feel about dubstep in star wars <laughs> Uh, were you a little okay? I like the dark troopers. Were you a little off put by their theme being dubstep? I honestly didn't really relate it to dubstep. Like, I don't know. I didn't make that connection to the to that. I guess it to me it might have fit well. Like, yeah, I never I was never really conscious of it in that level. I I thought the music I, fit I guess well, I but it was it, just yeah. it was just really weird hearing like electronic techno music. Yeah, Star Wars. that's that. That's something I wanted to actually bring up in this discussion too. Was how the music is utilized in this entire show because it's a different composer from John Williams, who is you know John Williams is the definitive Star Wars music because he's done everything uh, when it comes to all nine movies, and it's his music is iconic in everybody's ears. So it's like kind of a hard, big task to like I think make the first star wars spinoff like or you know first show of star wars and be a composer to kind of make iconic music to go along with it and i think what's cool about the music in the show is that like the mandalorian kind of show um how it is a genre blending and you know thematically blending show that you know we've talked about our, the, our entire series of the show has been talking about how it's blend japanese film filmmaking and cinema history with western filmmaking um and all the thematic lore and history of star wars and it's it's just been a blender for all these ideas in a way i felt like the music has been consistent with that thinking and it's been ludwig garonson has you know as an artist kind of like mixes in the digital age and electronic music with classical instruments from like all over the world that's his whole work of music is it's it's kind of the mixing of the two uh two styles i guess so i think that for me i i really like how bringing in a composer like him expands how the music can transform or like how the music can tell the story um so i guess like in in a sense even when luke was coming down the hall and just wrecking the the dark the what are they dark troopers yeah dark troopers um yeah, I, I noticed the theme in that point because it was it was so different from anything in a Star Wars, any Star Wars thing. It was such a unique piece of score to use in a Star Wars um, show or a movie that I was like, I don't know. I, I felt like it was like it was cool to see it exploring new directions like that. So, yeah, like the digital thing works for me. I, I, I find it. I'm a guy that likes like bass heavy music anyways and like hip hop music. So that whole transform or you know the mixing of those kind of worlds is i find interesting especially in the techno sci-fi-ness of star wars um but yeah that also the dark troopers you mentioned that i i want to say that 
the Empire is stupid for not implementing their entire fleet with these guys because, you know, they they, sh- they showed it really well in this episode, which was fantastic, like, you know, fantastically directed, I thought, um, how they show Mando struggling to just handle one dark trooper that managed to escape the, the holding area, and behind him is, like, a squadron of dark troopers just, you know, waiting to get out and wreck havoc, and we see one kind of sick fight scene with Mando just getting pummeled at first, you know, with the Dark Trooper. Um, and the best car is just in the middle, tr- saving his life. And, we, you know, it's almost setting up you up to think, like, well, good thing that all the other ones kind of got blown out of the vacuum. And as soon as they come back, you're like, oh, fuck. Uh, you know, the Dark Troopers are far more lethal than the Stormtroopers. Yeah. And, and, and I'd, have to, I'd have to imagine it's, like, resource-based because it seems like... It takes a tremendous amount of energy to power them. And there's actually some complications with, like, them staying cool. I wonder what the story behind that is because we're familiar with droids in Star Wars. Droids aren't, like, battle droids aren't a new thing. No, but, and like, we know maybe that, these ones We know are... that the Empire didn't like droids, right? Like, yeah. what's special about these droids is my question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, is it just, like, they take so much processing power and they're so advanced that you can't just keep making them like you can't just make an army of them like yeah. why do they need start I, I almost times? thought like, why is why is I it almost like thought this? like their their armor was like made out of beskar so they're resource like intensive but at the same time uh the lightsaber just kind of rips through it you know yeah and how can so, they punch through metal doors like how are they able to dent metal doors without like with two layers of blast shield yeah i, I tried figuring that out too is is a little know. weird like they are so overpowered and yeah their explanation but at the same for, time you need that for the the clunky ass stormtroopers in this show that get knocked out by flicking okay them yeah or yeah breathing on the them. clone sorry that's another thing that bothered me in this episode the stormtroopers or even in the season in general in the throughout the season yeah if this, you notice any fight scene like literally a human can punch a stormtrooper yeah in the chest and it, knock them it's out. it's so stupid because like because of this like meta commentary on how you know stormtroopers being useless in the ot it's like <laughs> modern filmmakers and storytellers think they can just make stormtroopers non-threatening and fans can be okay with it because yeah. that's how it was back in the day it's like okay like fair enough it was buddy. funny when they did the joke for the first time but they've literally ran with it throughout the whole show yeah you have literally stormtroopers troopers. walking up to a, a to, to to a shock trooper holding a minigun they're just walking they're not even aiming their guns at them yeah at some point no i remember in um in the I think it was the episode before this one, and uh, um, what's her name again? I'm gonna forget her name every single time. Oh, I will. Forget you know it because you got it the last time. <laughs> God damn it! It's um, the new. Re- <laughs> oh my god, man! This is so bad. The New Republic, fucking Marshall, man. God, how do I forget damn this? Kara Dune. Kara fucking a- Dune fucking such a simple name like i should just tattoo it onto my arm at this point or put it up on my whiteboard yeah when cara dune is like uh she's taking over a uh a um it was like a it was a like tank run by the stormtroopers um and she just clanks their heads together they're both wearing helmets but she clanks their heads together and they both knock out and that was it like what's the point of a helmet what are you wearing a helmet for if that what kind of protection is the empire giving their troops you know like that's the one <laughs> that was the one thing in this entire show that broke me out every single time was how 
how easy it was to take out the stormtroopers but yeah i don't even know if that's a complaint i think that's that falls in the realm of like of those like funny star wars things that that are just part of it you know i guess but it's like goodness come on it's like i don't know it will never make sense it will never make sense i guess the in canon reason is the empire is cheap and they don't they don't protect their they don't protect their troops well um again like one of the problems with this show maybe is like how do they explain like dark troopers absence in the sequels as well because why wouldn't the first order use these guys yeah it's i don't know that's the problem with like introducing new stuff like this yeah they and they do that a lot but this might be the first time it's kind of problematic that's an interesting point like well why wouldn't they be in the sequels you're right i think it's like i i know dark troopers like these and specifically like these robotic dark troopers were in uh the expanded universe in comics like they were established so i think like they thought about bringing it in for sort of uh expanded universe fan service and then if they be as they became more of a prominent role it's like they didn't really think about what would happen like why wouldn't they be in the sequels these things are so overpowered like there's literally no reason why the first order would not even attempt to try to continue with this program i don't know yeah we see that we see like in the sequels like the first order builds literally another death star with an entire and they have an entire fleet of uh star destroyers but they didn't build a like a squadron of these dark troopers that are so overpowered yeah i wonder what the logical reasoning behind that is but i don't want to think too much about that no that that's not worth that's not worth it um there's probably going to be some kind of comic book to even explain that like what their story is because i feel like you're right like they were it almost felt like they were setting something up with that in in like the reveal of them the dark troopers and that in you know when they revealed them um but we we just kind of get them as a more serious fight in this season. Like we don't really see, you know, what the, I, I feel like they were like kind of bamboozling us a little bit with how much, how much they were showing that, um, clone scientists, the, the Kaminoan clone scientists and like, Oh yeah. What happened? All the lab stuff. Yeah. Like that. He was in the beginning of this episode. Yeah. They even like showed, they even flashed back to the clone stuff in the, in like the, in the, um, like the episode recap yeah you know what I mean? it feels like that's been a constant like a subplot like some that has been a subplot but we're seeing no result like no um kind of a like where is that story going what is that story about it almost feels like it almost feels like they showed us the bit where you know there's a bunch of the bodies in the lab and they make you think subconsciously this is to do with Palpatine and Snoke and like that's it that was the whole purpose maybe to show all of that entire sequels explained yeah exactly now like that was their reasoning behind the sequel trilogy entirely because where in season three does that fit because Grogu's no longer in the picture so well they got his blood so they've already got his blood so yeah do you think do you think we're gonna see like in parallel to the Mando story we're gonna see like the Empire yeah, but how would they story? tie like, that back into Mando? Because Mando doesn't really have a problem yeah. with the Empire anymore. Like they no longer exactly. And then they're no longer they're kind of independent. The yeah, yeah, they're 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 separate from each other now. Yeah, there's um, no conflict. There's no conflict of interest whatsoever because you know Grogu's with the Jedi now, 
and like Luke can definitely fucking protect him against the Empire, no problem. Yeah. Um, Mando really has no quarrel with the Empire itself. Like he's not really wanted because he no longer has Grogu. Moff Gideon's captured and he's with the New Republic. The only real quarrel that Mando has with anyone is with Bo-Katan because he is the dark saber. So yeah. like how are they going to tie in like the clone stuff? You're right. It's going to be tough. I don't think they can in a like a realistic way. Unless yeah, unless that's kind of a thread to finish into like or lead into another show or movie which to me the, in the sequel era that's still the most interesting story like aside with Luke Skywalker and like what he's doing is like what the empire is doing and like why is there still remnants of an empire? Why do people still believe in it after the empire emperor is dead? That story, like the whole dark side side of things is to me such untapped potential. And like everything we've seen has been good. Like even in the video games, any anything that's kind of exploring the empire and what they're doing is has been kind of solid stuff. Um, so I, yeah, like I hope we kind of, they give us a show about that or like a movie at least or like, I don't know. I don't want to be too too much of a fan asking for stuff in that way because I I have a strong feeling that they like Filoni and John Favreau have like the keys to the shit now and like they they're kind of penning together the the missing the missing pieces of of the canon and they're they're figuring the story out because that's not a job with, I envy man yeah yeah that's it's definitely like not a not an easy task at where things are but. I can imagine that, you know, that they have some stuff figured out. I'm I want them to be able to explain away or or explain or bridge the OT and the sequels more clearly. But it's so hard because just thinking about like the OT ending and like having such a great conclusion and like where the sequels kick off, it seems like that conclusion was for naught at all so to be able to justify that through multiple tv shows is is a little much for me i don't know it, it's tough to say i I'm, yeah. I'm still way more interested in just the mando himself like the character yeah. of the mandalorian that's what's keeping me invested in the show um i could really care less about what's happening with regards to like the sequel era stuff i want to know or I'm more interested in just like character and character interactions because like so far those have actually been fantastic in terms of like yeah I I guess like I don't know I I know you like when it happens like there will be those things that we talk about or, that are like you know noteworthy talking about worthy things um, but I feel like the the shows that even that they've announced with Ahsoka and uh, like Rangers of the New Republic there's a lot of focus on this era and i feel like to kind of you know world building has always been one of the coolest parts and also important things about this franchise and the sequels just like for me lacked in that department lacked in the world in the world building and like it didn't live up to like a, a standard of 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 letting us know what the story and what the state of the state of the galaxy, the state of the union, so to speak, is. And I think, like, the politics has been such a strong, like, such an important part of Star Wars and the whole story overall that it is, it is like, to me, a character in itself, like, to know what the state of the galaxy is in. So not to say that we should get a show specifically on that, but 
how even like the Mando has been a vehicle to explain more or just give more about world building to be a vehicle for world building. I feel like the the shows and movies we get now that are, you know, at least produced by Filoni, by Favreau, by the core kind of people that we trust right now. Um, I think they have a solid idea of that world or at least where that world has gone to. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like, I hope that just the that attention to detail of where they're connecting things is like maintained it, it seems to me it is it seems to me that they have a solid structure of like just the world that it the condition of it is in but uh yeah anyways um what else what else in this episode i guess we should talk about the the main attraction the main the main uh course of this one which was the the reveal that luke is luke is back pretty much luke in his prime Yes, Luke has, has been back. The first time Luke is back since Return of the Jedi. What he Yes. Yeah, and it's like a Luke's Luke Skywalker that's essentially stronger than Return of the Jedi Luke, I would say. Yeah. Because it, yeah, this and is it's Luke actually setting. Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, okay. If we want to get into a big old debate about episode eight, we can do that too. No no no. No no. Cause okay, here's the thing. I it was funny to see this come out and basically unite star wars like i know you don't have twitter but uh, i was i was going through twitter right after this and uh you know the fanboys are so funny that as soon as they found dave filoni to be the guy like he is now the guy anything he does will just be great and it was especially the fact now he's like fit luke into this picture it's it's essentially been a band-aid for the fandom that was torn on luke which i think is like you know whatever like it's it's fine people can agree with it i honestly i don't think the luke we get in episode eight is so inconsistent with luke we see here or in episode in episode six i guess where we leave off and um yeah anyways i don't want to debate too much about that unless you want to debate about it but um i was just happy to see a luke who was happy to be a jedi who believed in the but how do you know he's happy to be a jedi look at his emotions on that he did, bro. He did some pretty dark side shit. If you ask me, in in that little hallway. Yeah, but look, he's literally risking scuffle. his life for a Padawan. He's definitely happy and to he's be got a, a green Jedi, lightsaber. and he believes in the Force at this point. Yeah, 100%. and he has a green lightsaber. That's a pretty. Solid he's exactly movie. the Luke I believed in at the end of Episode Six. Yeah, it's a natural progression of that Luke. But okay, I don't want to say the de aging factor was like. Yeah, it was a little off putting. You know, it it was a little off putting, but I don't want to say that like was the main. Like I feel like we we just saw a puppet of Luke. You know, we saw a literally like a shell of, because it's it it was just like okay, this feels so weird to talk about because I'm getting right into the critical stuff about it. One, I want to say it was amazing to see it like as a fan and all that, but if I am being critical, like it was fan servicey to kind of throw him in there, though it made sense, but. Like, I don't know. What am I trying to say? Hmm. I guess I'm trying to, trying to say that it, I don't know. I honestly don't know where I was going with that, but okay. What did, what did you think about it? What did, uh, let me, let me try to recollect my thought. I don't really have anything bad to say other than it, I guess just felt like a puppet of Luke Skywalker. But what do you think? I loved it. Other than like the the CG was a little off putting, I actually thought they should have maybe recasted um, 
to whom we thought of. See, I think that would have been worse, though. I don't think there would have been any scenario where this would have 100% worked for me. The only thing that worked for me was the bits where we didn't see his face. You know, <sighs> when, when you're in... when. The whole lead, like, and I, like, I'm being super honest. The, the, the entire episode worked for me, but like, if I'm being critical, like, the whole lead up, um, when you know they see the X-wing flying in, and that's the second you know Luke Skywalker's coming in. They're like, "Oh, a single X-wing? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh my fucking god!" But the pacing of that to the point when you see a cloaked figure through a security camera, uh, when Grogu's just like you know watching the security camera, um. The whole lead up to just to seeing a hooded figure with a green lightsaber just wrecking through a hallway of dark troopers that was super reminiscent of Darth Vader in Rogue One doing the same thing with a bunch of rebels. Like that was a I'm sure a visual callback, but yeah, that made me that that was like nerd orgasms there, but um orgasms, what was that? Um but uh that that was my favorite part about it like the just how that created the tension but yeah i don't know it up until the point where, where we saw him when he unmasked i think like that was like the wow moment and then everything else from there was like uh, okay yeah i guess the dialogue felt a little weird like it was a little bit robotic in a way yes see that's that. the perfect word <laughs> yeah it was I think they actually got Mark Hamill to record those lines. Like, I was wondering, like, how did, where did those lines come from? That wasn't um, ripped from any of the OG OT movies, and it sounded like Luke Skywalker. I wonder if that was like computer generated, but I think there's definitely guys that actually. Do I don't know. I'll... No, but I think they. I I read that they had Mark Hamill on set, um, doing some sort of reference work whether it was for voice or for acting, I'm not sure, but they did have him there and he was credited in the episode for working on it. So yeah, that, that did impress me that they'd nailed the voice kind of, but you, I think you said it perfectly. It, it, it was robotic. It was like, you know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of a Jedi Knight uh, that was like from the court, from like the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker era of Jedi Knights. Fair enough. Like he fit to me. He looks like he fit perfectly in like the high tower of Coruscant in his in his tone of talking in his like composure which might be good it might be like okay here if we're connecting storytelling of it this this might work for me a little bit if you know he's trying to be the great jedi master that yoda wants him to be and obi-wan wants him to be and he's reading all these jedi books and learning about like the the purge and all the old jedis that died and like what were they like and who were they and He's kind of acting like them against his nature, you know. Like we, Luke, when we see him from Episode Four compared to Six, <clears throat> is a is a huge change. It's a he's really going from a boy into a man, and he's seen a lot, and you, that change is reflected by the time you get to Six. And I think like by the time you get into this episode, not to like be so introspective in it, but I feel like it's almost him trying to act like the Jedi Masters he's read about and trying to show that kind of uh, stature like it i don't know it almost felt weird because we haven't seen luke like that i don't think you he's know what I acting mean? i think that's just the way he is now given but given then the circumstances. Okay, okay this is this is how i'm trying to tie it back to episode eight because at a certain point he realizes that that was wrong like he realized the jedi were they had their heads up their ass to a certain degree and um that that whole way of being was wrong you know at a certain point so I, f- I don't know like I'm I'm just kind of connecting dots that might not exist in my own head but I feel like this is this is Jedi Master Luke but this isn't like 
he doesn't himself believe in this whole cause entirely. You know, I think like that's kind of what the story so far has told us that he does leave the Jedi Order, but that's I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. I might be reading into it. I think you're reading into it too much. I think this was about him rescuing Grogu to bring him into the Jedi Order, and he's a fully fledged Jedi Master at this point, which means. Yeah, he's a little arrogant. Yeah, he's a little uh, 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 long-winded in his speeches, but like that's just the way he Jedi definitely masters came are. off like a Jedi master. I guess like seeing him talk to other characters, you know, like just just people who don't really exist in the world of Skywalker's and Palpatine and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like it was cool to see uh, an, a legendary character kind the of way, interact with randoms. The way I see it is like as soon as you gain that much connection to the forest it does change your demeanor like i'm at it's like <laughs> i don't like to make this comparison it was like taking cell- psychedelics it's like you have this mm-hmm. whole new perspective on what the universe is now and when you become a jedi okay. master you have this like you've just absorbed all this knowledge you do fair, have a fair. way different perspective and a higher perspective of what the universe mm-hmm. works and how the universe works compared to the average person so when you're talking in a room with like normal people like mando and like Bo-Katan, like yeah, you're gonna come off as like a little arrogant. But like if he was talking to another Jedi Master, like it seemed like a normal conversation. I'd say. Um, no, that was that was really well explained. I think that the the psychedelics comparison kind of made me understand that more. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that that makes sense. I guess he like the Force. He got like Force high or mm-hmm. something to and a high degree. To I think the know, way just... like the old Republic stuff explains it, like and the old Republic stuff goes even further into like jedi ivory tower sort of philosophy it's like well yeah jedi ivory tower it's bad but what's the alternative like like putting all these restrictions like making you like this emotional ghost of yourself this emotionless person is like sort of evil and culty in a way but like once you have a connection to the force the alternative is that you then hunger for power and become a genocidal maniac with the dark side so it's like Mm -hmm. there's 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 hardly a middle ground or there hasn't really been a middle ground displayed yet, which that is we've seen, which is, right, uh, exactly. which is where I'd hope that like the new trilogy goes. In, in yeah. It's I'm, I'm the more I think about it now, like it's almost like when you, be, the more you become a Jedi, the more you become uh, indoctrinated in their ideology and just become stronger in the force, in the light side of the force, like the more extreme light side of the force, I guess you're losing your individuality, your own personality, um, because that's what they kind of preach is like, you know, you think for others, you act for others and your own interests you have to put aside. You can't love, you can't, you know, start family or have your own life. Everything you have to do is put other people first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and you're, you're right. Like he is becoming a Jedi and absorbing all of those ideas at the same time, which I think it's subconsciously like really well acted, I think, and portrayed through the Luke we see in this episode. Like, and and at the same time, I guess um, I had a I had a thought. Um, it the, the the Luke we see here and in Episode Six isn't even necessarily created um, by like the Force. It's actually, I guess, in Episode Five we see the change when you know his Darth Vader, his father, cuts off his hand, and he he f- lets himself go off best the tower investment to essentially die like he couldn't have predicted he was gonna fall through a hole and and get saved by leia and um and lando like he fell thinking he would die and that was his best resolve so i think obviously you know the whole fight with darth vader took him to a dark place and then the luke we end up seeing in episode six is such a different luke 
he's so devoid of episode four Luke, which is like the boyhood uh, farm boy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, I, it's it. I I don't mind that we've turned this into a Luke conversation because he's such a great character, obviously. But yeah, this just a point back to episode five, almost like this is. It 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 all leads to tragedy, I guess, is what my point is. It all led. It all began from a tragedy, I guess, and that's kind of integral to what Star Wars is and what the how the arcs of these kind of great legendary characters, how they're kind of they all start from tragedy in a way, I guess. Even with Mando, if you look at it, like his story begins with a tragic event. Um, yeah, tragedy is like a theme that runs deep in Star Wars. So, you know what I think it is? Yeah. Um, I do think this Luke that we saw in the animated letter is more consistent with his the Episode Six self. Um, and I think Definitely. I think it feels jarring to you and to me as well. Because, like, the last time we seen Luke, he was not even like this. Even at episode nine, he wasn't like this. He, he wasn't... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a way different character. Boy, well, I don't even know what he was in episode nine. In episode nine, it's, like, a clown... Where, like, a, like a, somebody wearing Luke Skywalker makeup. Right. It's Episode nine is weird. He does he does one thing in episode nine that makes me, like, tear a little bit, which is, like, he, he raises his X-Wing out of the water, which is, you know, obviously called back to the episode five, but... That's like the one thing I love about it, but um, this is, yeah, I guess you're right in saying this is like true Luke Skywalker after episode six because he's carrying, he carries on his journey of becoming a Jedi, mm-hmm. but I, I, this more than anything makes me want more Luke Skywalker. I, d- I want more of I don't, this. I don't, I kind of want him just to be left alone at this point. No, don't give me an don't give me live action. Okay, yeah, 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 they yeah, couldn't, yeah, yeah. They couldn't accomplish it consistently because you know this was already jarring enough. Um, an animated, you know, Japanese animated style or something. Just give me an anime. Uh, I wouldn't mind like a Clone Wars style, like yeah, Luke's Jedi show. Yeah, and we can kind of learn about his disenfranchisement with the Jedi Order, their their teachings, and like. Even like just him becoming a Jedi and the conflict of him becoming see a Jedi, that's something I that's like. a yeah that would be a way to tie in the the kind of gap between Episode Eight that we see in and Episode Six and like, yeah that's a crucial part of the story I think is like how does he become disenfranchised from the whole philosophy and in a deeper way than just trying to kill his nephew <laughs> yeah <laughs> no shit eh yeah I think like what the Clone Wars did for Anakin is what a series mm-hmm. like that could do for Luke exactly exactly it's almost like the same thing needs to happen because like it's a similar treatment like anakin needed some character revival work like he needed this character needed some depth i guess which the clone wars gave him and kind of the same thing we need with sequel era luke but that's that's why i guess episode eight luke works kind of well for me is because my own belief was and like we've talked about this before is like the jedi were flawed and to see a character within star wars such as luke to be aware of that and realize that is cool i think that's like it's self-aware for the story which is you know what it was trying to be in a way but yeah i don't know i it, it might be better for the fans who can't swallow that pill to to see a show that that is kind of like what we're talking about mm-hmm. uh yeah. maybe moving on um, from luke we should maybe touch on some yeah yeah some other things throughout the episode um the whole like siege on on the 
Empire vessel itself I thought was pretty well done apart from certain shots of stormtroopers just acting like giant idiots you know what I mean yeah that's um that happens pretty frequently I'm almost like in out of tune to expect stormtroopers to act smart <laughs> so, you know like I I don't expect much from them I they're they're designed to take bullets essentially mm-hmm. oh it, it, it'll be interesting to see the day one stormtrooper actually comes close to doing something mm-hmm. lethal that that'll be a moment that actually pulls you out of the show and you're like whoa what just happened why where did that come from but one uh, thing i'm glad they, yeah. they did um to take part in that siege is to bring in bo katan i didn't think they'd actually bring her in back in the season to be honest um i mm. thought this whole like gideon conclusion would have happened in a later season but i think you were right about it ending this season which you know, yeah good, good on yeah you. i definitely thought they were leading into like the whole the, into exactly this which was the band getting the band together for a mission mm-hmm. i thought um, i did think they would have i think i thought they would have mayfield if anything for this episode yeah i was uh, i want mayfield to be part of the crew man yeah he, i not that he might have he might not have served much of a purpose other than being like you know comedic uh like levity but at the same time it was good that this episode didn't have any comedic levity that kind of went in favor True. for the tone. Um, so maybe that's why, you know, maybe it wasn't. One there. thing that confused me, though, was like, what happened to that other Mando that was with Bo-Katan? The third, there was a third one. Yeah. You're right. There was a, there was a guy, a part yeah, of the where's group that, where's that? He's not interesting. I guess. Yeah, he's not interesting. Yeah, he's not interesting. He's not Sasha Banks. Man. Oh, fuck. Like, he doesn't do DDTs, I guess, on Boba Fett. Exactly. Which is something like, what? I was like, okay, like, maybe, but like, come on, it's Boba Fett. Like, his power level is... Yeah is up there it was pretty cool to see yeah it was pretty cool to see uh her go up with with the uh, boba fett one-on-one like mando v mando yeah oh, well i bro- thought it was even cooler to watch um din and 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 boba walk into the bar together yeah well yeah what a, i guess that was even cooler was just seeing four mandos in a bar yeah i guess that's like gonna be the coolest joke in the star wars galaxy now it's like well four mandos walk in a bar and what what do you get um, uh free drinks yeah, but anyways yeah that was that was epic that was like that would have been cool no matter what happened just to see that mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing more to say contextually or deep thematically as we would mm-hmm. other than it was just cool to see four men in a bar i'm glad know? that bo knows boba is a clone and she's like yeah, how did they know her? oh i guess yeah no they said the name the, the the sound yeah. of the his voice was gave it right away yeah that's wow what a dead giveaway that voice is in the galaxy mm-hmm. um yeah that's I guess, yeah, that they're kind of like what racist in a way. Are Mandalorians racist? Yes, extremely. Well, Bo is what seems. Well, yeah. wait, no, even like the <laughs> religious people within it, like are even like is racist though. I don't know. What's the? I don't even know the word for it. Clanist. Clanist. Yeah, maybe. They're like because there might be their this own like specific kind of distinction in, in this world. Because like, the religious you know, sects that Din is involved in is is super like prejudice against the cult that Bo is a part of because they take their right. helmets off and they show their faces. It's yeah. not like the true olden ways of the Mandalorians. And then yep. Bo herself is prejudiced against clones besides dis- despite like Boba actually technically being like a proper Mandalorian because Django's a founder. Yeah, I guess we we kind of learn about that he is um a descendant of a mandalorian we learn Django is a man because like the armor gets passed on which is like yeah. what makes you the man and 
and that's another thing like what actually makes you a mandalorian it's not a blood thing it's not a family thing it's it's a creed exactly you're kind of brought up in it so what makes boba not a mandalorian is the question yeah i think bo is being a little unreasonable here i don't know if i'd like her as the leader of mandalore i i'd vote i'd vote for din I think I think we all would. I think Bo's kind of a bitch, to be honest. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the kind of cool thing is like she's um she's a good military leader. Like she's a badass leader in the sense of not leader in the sense like a uh, political leader, but she's a badass warrior. I guess. Yeah, but could she? Accurate. But is being a warrior necessarily mm-hmm. the right uh, credentials for being a good leader? Yeah, because what? Whereas I find Mando could be a good leader. You know. Yeah, what the Mandos know. lack right now all the Mandalorians is like unity. They're scattered throughout the galaxy. They're all in these different sects. And it seems like Bo-Katan actually does a pretty poor job of like uniting the different sects of Mandalorian. Um, Because like you have your own in conflict with Din's and then she's like calling Boba, not even a a Mandalorian, despite him like actually being a part of the creed legitimately. And she kind of disses Din for coming from where he comes from. Like in the episode where they first meet, and she's she's like oh you're one of them like that's how she kind of says it like she's she's aware of what creed he's from or what kind of mandalorian he is yeah which even he's not really aware so of, despite of like that level of thing but Bo-Katan, yeah, it is kind of racist man yeah. it is kind of racist despite bo like being a semi-protagonist throughout the clone wars i wouldn't mind them going the antagonist route yeah for the for mandalorian I, seasons i could see that i could see her playing not the not the guy behind the chair antagonist, but at least the primary antagonist for Mando to, uh, to deal with. You know, she can, she's probably gonna be like an anti-hero type of thing. Where... I could see her losing her way and becoming more and more cruel, and like the cruel side of her being dragged out more and more as she gets frustrated with not having the dark saber to the yeah, point where she like maybe, she becomes yeah. even more villainized, where it's justified in the end for Din to become. The leader. she gets she gets see this is where i think the game of thrones there's right connection yeah, kind of yeah. you know like the the power corrupts you know like that dark saber can corrupt her from being kind of a good person you know she started she's doing something good to damn i really want that dark saber man you know see there's plenty of yeah. room to go here there's a lot of potential i i love i like they don't have to go full game of thrones like in that sense but i in a star wars setting to to deal with the thematics of power and which is also you know it's always been integral in the movies in the prequels especially but um yeah just like on a on a more detailed level view of like how how like the the mandalorian clans which are already separate will like be even more in a in a warlike state in the next season if we if we go to mandalore you know it, it's gonna be like we might see like a civil war type of thing that how they put a leader in place will it like there's probably gonna be a lot of just the same old shit on mandalore which is yeah just another tuesday pretty much for them like when have they had a good a good fucking month or a good week when have they had a good couple thousand years right (laughs) that's a that's a better way of putting it like if they're not at war with themselves they're at war with some other like warrior race yeah yeah uh God, I really hope we see Mandalore versus Jedi Wars, something like that. Oh, that'd be that'd be a good they've, they've that'd be a that quite a good bit trilogy. That would be a, uh, that would be a proper trilogy. That's a trilogy's worth to do, I believe. Like a, just yeah. in setting wise, like give me the yeah. intimate character relationships with Star Wars, but in the Mandalorian Jedi Wars. Yeah, uh, that would 
yeah, that would be cool. Um, I think that's kind of we might even see we might see a small scale of that because if if I'm getting into a bit of speculation of season three real quick, I could see in the next season like right now in the laws of the dark saber, I guess meant meant like Din, um, is the rightful ruler to Mandalore, and I could see him having people favoring that like he comes from a clan like you know we had the um we did see his clan in the last season and we saw some of them get wiped out they're kind of scattered i guess they might be looking for a home um and if you know one of their own is the one in charge like i could see them kind of rallying behind him versus bo katan and the um and her kind of squad of mandos like it could become kind of that sort of dynamic where you have uh like literally clan versus clan and and Mando's put in a spot to choose if he's going to lead his clan like that like I don't and that, know, that falls immediately into um Favreau and Filoni's sort of writing style in terms of like pretty consistent with some typical hero's journey stuff where like mm-hmm. uh continuous theory within the hero's journey is the reluctance to start the journey the mm. the not mm-hmm. accepting it so you can sort of see the story play out where mando sort of doesn't want what he has what the opportunity has been given to him at all but sort of learns to accept the responsibility just as he learned to accept grogu as his responsibility throughout the first two seasons to where yeah i think the dark saber being sort of a centralized point of the next few seasons is a really smart choice. And I think they should stick to that hundred mm-hmm. percent. I can see the story playing out now and it, I, I like what I'm imagining. Yeah, that would, yeah, I hope, I think, I think it will be, I think they can't just introduce something like, the, like the show is called the Mandalore, the, I mean, the Mandalore, fucking the Mandalorian. Uh, I, I think it would be like, a progressional step for them to go more into Mandalore, you know, mm-hmm. well, and the dark saber and, and yeah. all of that. So that's a safe bet. I think, I think the next season is, has got me really excited, but I'm still at the same time. There's still so much to look forward to, like with all the star Wars stuff coming mm-hmm. out, like there's not a lack of it. No, no, not a lack of it at all. For sure. Um, speaking yeah, of a, like, not yeah. a lack of it, extra show that's coming. Hey, like the, the, end credit scene for this season wasn't actually for the next season of Mandalorian. It was for a <laughs> right. completely different show, which fair enough, but also kind of pissed me off. Cause like, can you just do this as a trailer? Yeah. You wanted to see, you wanted to see a razor crest to come into. I that wanted, into I didn't team. want like a razor crest too. I just want a completely new ship at this point. No, don't even try to, I see. Yeah. To recapture what the razor crest was to me, man. Hmm. Do you think? Do you think we'll get something new entirely for Mando in a, in a ship? I hope so. It won't be. The, it won't be the Razor Crest. Well, model. the Razor Crest, like the whole thing of it, was like it was a pretty rare model from the Clone Wars. True. So True. it's like, but that's what made it so special. Like, how can they replace that? They can design another cool ship. Trust me. Ah, forge one from the depths of a, a dying star. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure there's going to be like some type of time jump between season two and three. Yeah, I. I I could see in like that being the case. There is a time jump, and he just has a ship. We don't get any kind of story behind it. It's just I need a ship. I got a ship. Or no, actually, that might be it a might good be. few first few episodes of season three. Is getting a new ship. Yeah, I. That's what I'm feeling. Fuck, like, we should I, write a show. Do something like 
if they did something like Mando building building his ideal dream ship, and we just see that process, like that would be fucking sick. And he's like, "Yeah, I want a carbonite room that holds ten, no, fifteen carbonite bodies encased." Yeah. All you're reminding me is like I used to watch, like, supercar YouTube vloggers, like super rich people, and mm-hmm. like go and and build their cars like go to like the lamborghini dealership and like pick out their colors and their wheel specs and like the interior all i can think about is like mando doing a vlog for his next pimped out <laughs> bounty hunter ship yeah pimp my ship yeah this is That's where i'm ship. gonna put all my uh uh was it carbonite yeah yeah carbonite uh frozen bodies or something i encapsulants yeah sure i don't know Carb, it's it's not really a chamber anymore. I guess it's more of a it's more of like a coffin. I guess sure. they've really they've really industrialized the carbonite chamber and and progressed its design. Oh, it's great! It's portable. Yeah, I I think that in the first episode, that's something that got me so excited to see of like season one was the fact that the technology in Star Wars has actually advanced and not receded. You know, like after the prequels, the technology kind of recedes when you think about it. Yeah, everything looks shit. In the in the original trilogy, which which in in reality in the real world got passed off to the, they had no money, in like budgetary senses, and then it makes sense in the story also. Like I find that awesome, and and then in in this show we we've learned, okay, like the New Republic has brought prosperity into technological development. Anyways, um, yeah, where do you where do you see? I guess we've this entire episode actually we've discussed where do we see this going. Uh, that's been our primary discussion but um let's talk about yeah. the book of boba and what the fuck that's gonna be yeah yeah i guess that's that's what i wanted to mention um were you were kind of on the nose with with um I, you didn't really make a prediction you almost made it like a wish list thing but wanting to see more about uh like just territorial conflict in like the galaxy like on a crime level yeah and you specifically even mentioned the huts and like seeing what are the huts up to and we've pretty much find that out. Like that's one questioned and then answered. There are no within huts, the span of that. Um, yeah, there's no huts anymore, <laughs> like at all. Like they get introduced and wiped out in that teaser. Yeah, completely. So yeah, which is leads us to a cool, really good uh, prospect of a show with Boba kind of in charge of a crime. Here's something I want. Like, why did he do this? Like, like revenge. I I think of it as revenge. Yeah, but revenge for what? Like, what did they do to him? For probably he's probably just pissed he's like one they left him behind i mean i, I which is fair to leave him behind he kind of got swallowed by a by sarlacc pit yeah by a sarlacc, i mean the thing yeah. that so, I mean, jabba uses to kill people fair. yeah i don't know i was a little I, confused i feel like he that. was probably just pissed he's like the he was like kind of like the fans in the sense like why do these guys have so much power why do these sl- ugly slugs have so much control and power and somebody should do something about that mm-hmm. and was he and waiting was for his that guy. armor to do this like why did he need his good point he, he right he uh probably well i guess he was waiting for his armor this whole time like it, it he seemed was like it was a pretty reading. effortless thing for him to do he literally just walked down a hallway all you needed was a blaster <laughs> he didn't even get shot in the best car no right yeah i could just, do uh, what boba did yeah I, yeah, I could control maybe. the huts of Tatooine. It, the huts don't seem like much of a challenge when you when you think about Here's, it. When you take out their arm, uh, fucking, uh, whatever that species of alien is called, those pig guys. Yeah, the pig guys, the short pig guys, which are really not a threat when you think about it. Uh, yeah, the huts aren't really a challenge. Bobo came in on a good day, mm-hmm. I think. 
Um, I have no idea what to expect for that show. It might be like some type of crime syndicate. Like Boba has to like. I think that's exactly. I think it's gonna be like a if you've seen the like the mall episodes of Clone Wars. Um, like his arcs throughout that show, where which is like he's basically running the crime syndicate world uh, during the prequels and and dealing with gangs like the Black Sun and those syndicates. And I think it's gonna be something like that where he we might see Boba Fett trying to become the new crime lord because he's not like i guess in this show in this season we he's kind of like a morally good guy almost like that's the impression i get is that he's like he has a word like a a code of honor and he sticks to it that's i think that's something interesting we found in this episode like did did you notice that like he um he he could have easily not helped mando out but he said oh i made a promise to you so i'm gonna keep it yeah you know so i think that's like if we did learn anything about Boba Fett, that's something we learned is he has a code of honor. So perhaps he's gonna like him taking power is 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 it's like another character thing, which is like, whoa, who knew Boba Fett wanted power? Like he's always been the side guy, the guy on the side with a gun, um, a bounty hunter, a gun for hire. But now he's like, I wanna acquire this power. So like if if we're asking for what, I feel like he might want to run the whole the whole crime syndicate thing mm-hmm. if, that would be a cool kind of and which if he does do that he would be going up directly against maul i think and and that would be a cool well not in this context uh wouldn't it be in this context maul's dead. isn't he alive no we had the, i had the same i had the same thing you i had the same thought i'm trying to figure out the timeline he does or after die episode by six one but that was that was, bef- was that's that? before episode four when he dies obi-wan Oh yeah, Rebels is before. I thought Rebels, Rebels was is such a weird. OT. Yeah, Rebels is just placed. Yeah, differently. yeah. That it's uh, got to think about. You got to like think about all those small little things, like all those so many shows now to think about and remember. But yeah, I guess I guess that's not going to be the case then. But I, oh well, I guess what the case is is because Maul is dead. You know, there's a hole in the crime syndicate, so maybe Boba Fett is trying to fill that hole. Um, that's what she said. But <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. That's my speculation about that. Um, there's going to be a pod racing centered episode. I hope so. That's my prediction. I hope so. Like betting on pod racing. And that's my that only cool. prediction because I have no idea what this show is about. Because like that's a pretty strong prediction. No, no like, like what I said about Boba Fett er- earlier in the season, like still yeah. kind of. Well, the fact we got seismic charges in this season, I think it's like fair chance that we're getting pod racing in the next one. You have to. You have that's a natural progression. It is right like there. seismic charges equals pod racing, Star Wars one hundred and one. Yeah. That's on the periodic table <laughs> of of dope things in Star Wars to see uh, here. Just keep the science references to me because I don't think that made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about. Okay, yeah, I took grade eleven science. I know what the periodic table. Is. Okay, nah. that's your most scientific <laughs> term. Well, that's that's like a grade four's most scientific term. So like, I won't give myself any credit. You're trying your best. <laughs> that's like anybody could. Yeah, I tried my I best. I appreciate you. Honestly, I got I got discouraged from from pursuing science any further after grade eleven. Let's so just say that science reference that was the teachers. Dutch tilts of of science references. I, I got that reference. I I like that yeah, one. That's for you. That buddy. was a good that's reference. For you, buddy. That's just yeah, good analogy. Right. I fuck those Dutch tilts, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I guess another thing I want to say is I was like pleasantly surprised by the direction of this episode. Uh, it was directed by Peyton Reed, 
who is like from all the only things I know him from are from the two Ant-Man movies that he's directed, which I thought they're funny, but you know, on a directing level, pretty mediocre for the most part. Like I wasn't familiar with him as a, you know, a director with kind of a particular style. But in this episode, I got to see, you know, he is a really, like a really good director in, in composing a, in a composing a tone and like a tension throughout the episode you know that's why i was saying kind of good that they didn't bring mayfield along as a kind of comedic levity because the entire episode i was feeling tense as like the siege progressed and then as they tried to get closer and closer to baby yoda to when eventually they are behind the walls of the blast doors you know i thought there there was just a constant tension build up and like even the score played a good deal to to amp that up further so just yeah like kudos to to peyton reed the director of this episode uh i thought he did a pretty good job to add on that and yeah, I, I it was like immediately yeah, gone evident to me like from the very first like um like it seemed like the intro like not like necessarily the the recap before the intro or the recap before the episode like the intro and like the introduction to the episode was kicked up to high gear immediately like it's an immediately evident like this is a different directing style this is a important series episode like first thing you get yeah. is slave one hunting down a, an imperial cruiser like yeah you're right in the action you don't see what the precursor events to this chase are you're in the chase yeah. which yeah i thought was cool too and different for a sh- like this show it hasn't really thrown us into yeah. and then even once like once that happens like you have a standoff and then after the standoff you have another like tense thing of actually getting in the ship and when you're in the ship oh, yeah. then you have like a uh, distracting crew sort of work their way through stormtroopers while Mando tries to deal with the dark troopers. Another tension bringing thing. And then even after that, you have um, the main crew at the bridge and then Mando with the standoff with Moff Gideon. And then even after that, you have like the standoff between Mando and Bo Katan. And then even after that, you have the tension between Luke showing up and Luke. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's exactly. a constant, everything, Luke constant, does. constant feeling of like, it's constant yeah, engagement. Yeah. Even with, even with the kid, as he's like looking like everything, the kid, uh, the girl does in this episode, every look like if, if, if they could give an Oscar to a puppet, then like honest to God, I'm not even saying this in a sarcastic way. Like, the puppet deserves an Oscar. I mean, you can see what us, I'm like, not a big awards guy. Any circus fans we've been know? saying this entire time. What's no, that? Nothing. <laughs> Just any circus stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the OG of of uh, like motion capture and puppeting and stuff like that. But like, and yeah, he should have got like some recognition for his work and like all those things. It, a long definitely, time ago. Lord of the Rings. But, should have got an Oscar for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Lord of the Rings conversation aside, because we'll have that very very soon okay. too. But um. I, I think like the puppet work, the puppeting work, I, I don't know how much is like a blend of CGI, like small, small CGI stuff. I feel like there is small things going on, but it's so magical, man. Like Warner Herzog honestly said it best. Like it's a magical thing to to see that puppet do anything because it's like, it's like a real thing. It's like such a, it's an evolution of the original Yoda puppet to such a high degree because it feels not like a puppet, but like something that you really care for mm-hmm. as cute as it is. And as much of a meme as it is, as it is, I genuinely feel for baby Yoda because I think like psychologically I've like connected my dog solo to baby Yoda. And every time I see either of them, I'm like, I think they're like distant cousins or something. They both have like the, the cute ass eyes that do all the talking and you know, whatever, for sure. getting in, getting into all that sappy stuff. 
Anyways, um, what, what was I about to say? Something. Oh yeah, I, I hope. Yeah, I was about to say something. I hope they continue. I guess they will continue this because you know, in a George Lucasless Star Wars world, this is the best case scenario. I think, which is you get talented filmmakers with a voice and who are obvious fans uh, of of these stories and like grew up watching these franchises. You know, I think every director has made a a mark that. Like this is uh these stories have like you know at least meant something to them. Uh, there's like some personal connection there, and it shows like even in the Robert Rodriguez episode, his, his script did like didn't have much to work with, but he made so much, uh he made so much to work with 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 a small script like in an action level, and that was like pure Robert Rodriguez action there. So I what I'm saying is I guess I hope. Uh, they just continue to like this focus on bringing like artistic directors or like stylistically artistic directors and letting them kind of bring like uh, kind of accept and, and um, thrive off the nature that Star Wars stuff nowadays are all going to be like fan interpretations of the original things. It's never going to be like the it's not going to be like, you know, George Lucas is word of law, word of book is going to be produced. Um at least we don't know for certain if that's going to I hope it's I hope Dave it Filoni. I, I still think, like, there should be some formal pass-off. I think he's... Well, he is. He's, like, the if you want to think about it like this, he's, like, the keeper of the flame. Like, he's, like, the the guy that I think everybody will go to to make sure, like, is this in line with the canon and is this... Do you like this? Like, I, I think his opinion will be, like, the highest standard of approval, but I think, like, you know, just the chance to see other directors take in this world is going to give us like genre potentially like genre bending star wars stuff you know like um i guess just since this is a recap of the season some like just um shout outs things episodes that came to mind was like even the taika waititi episode the humor that he brought into that episode was not i think it it didn't overdo it in the mashing of style and medium of like the star wars style versus his style of filmmaking i think there was like a good marriage of the two things so that showed me it, it's a good idea i think to bring in different director style different writers different directors to interpret this world and stories in different ways and you know yeah that in that way you just get a worldly star wars a more worldly view of it i don't know that's a good take um I don't know if you have anything else to add to this episode. I think I've sort of said my piece, but um, if you have anything else. Yeah, uh, no, this, no, I, I think this was, uh, I think we've said, we've said a lot about it. Uh, a good, good lead off into the next one and looking forward into like all these other shows. Book of, um, Book of Boba. What a title also. Pretty sick title. Um, I have hope. There's a new hope for Star Wars fandom. And um, yeah, yeah. I have hope. The, the, I think this is like the unification that a lot of fans were looking for in the sense of this had a little bit of everything for everyone and um, it's progressing the stories in ways that I've wanted to see it progress and I think you too like the things that me and you have like talked about and that, that what we like about Star Wars I think is like and what we want to even talk about on this show what we've been talking about I think those kind of things have been realized more in, through this show and like the potential in the future shows, I think I see it more. I'm not looking at it like, um, I'm not looking at it with almost like a, a frown, you know, as like, uh, I, I hope they nail this. Like, I think I have more confidence in the stories that are being produced. 
I don't know. I I, I don't want to speak too confidently at no, the same time, no. though. Like I don't want to get let down because yeah, I think that that's the cool thing about the sequels at the same time because it in a way like just matured my own thinking about not giving like the benefit of the doubt to the name you know like it not just because something is star wars doesn't mean you know what you will like it or it will be of good quality that's a good way to put things i to to be honest if i wasn't as disappointed or frustrated with the way the sequels turned out i wouldn't have been as engaged with how media and storytelling works as a whole in general right so i guess i can be thankful for that point but like fuck man it's still fucking hurt yeah it's it's a it's like a it's more bitter than bittersweet. It's kind of a like kick in the butt when your favorite stories kind of in a way can pain you or just like uh, just cause you some sort of like level of grief in a way of like whatever. But like exactly what you said, I like I, I think that realization I went through it too. I think it's an important like part of growing up. I think like it's like a, a rational way of looking at things, especially in judging the things that you like, you know, like you're right like if if we if you weren't looking at something like the sequels so critically then they could show you anything and you would be like i'm ready to swallow this up and spend my money on it that's right but like yeah and and just i think the benefit of these kind of conversations too is like digging into into what makes something really good and and timeless you know 100 percent. so yeah i think that's a that's a good way to end off this episode what do you think chainer 100 percent and uh yeah we uh thank you for all our listeners in our in our season our season finale our series finale of the mandalorian show um we'll go back to like uh, regular weekly catch-up stuff i guess from now on yeah yeah i guess definitely want to get into more like movie discussion i honestly haven't been watching many movies recently just more tv shows i guess nowadays um but sometime in the new year hopefully we'll, we'll come back strong with some some movie discussions, some uh, some topics that we're interested in in cinema, like some some specific discussion topics that I know we've we've been interested in talking about. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe so you're aware of our our new up episodes and new discussions, and staying up to date with all that. And if you do like what we produce and want to support us, best thing to do is drop a rating. shows shows that we got some listeners, and it shows more people that we're out here um so yeah follow us on instagram join our conversations let us know how we're doing and with that i'll say peace signing off